So I am Shakira Tyler. I graduated from Michigan State in the Department of Community Sustainability in winter 2019. And uh, I'm currently the board president of the Detroit Black Community Food Security Network and a co-founder of the Detroit Black Farmer Land Fund. And I also work with a number of Black agrarian organizations around the country. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today. Tyler grew up in the city of Philadelphia. She first learned about MSU when she was an undergrad at Penn State. I came to MSU because I was looking for a grad program that really centered on my interests. And at the time, I was pursuing um, agrarian literacies or agricultural literacies among inner city youth, urban youth. And um, I also was really interested in Black farmers and MSU. I did a summer program for uh, undergraduate students at MSU that trained you how to do research and helps you navigate the graduate school process. And I came to Michigan State for the summer prior to graduating Penn State, where I did my undergrad. And that was really my introduction to graduate school at Michigan State in the Department of Community Sustainability at the time. Cars. Yeah. And so MSU was a really good fit for me based on the curriculum of the department. And I had relationships with the faculty members and I was able to get funding for my graduate program. And so it was just a really good fit. So growing up in in inner inner city Philadelphia, I I didn't consider, and this is my baby in the background, so <laughs> um, just so you, you don't think it's a random noise. Um, <laughs> I love it. What's your baby's name? <laughs> uh, Moyo. Yeah, he's just looking at the camera, really intrigued by all the photos that are... <laughs> great, great to have him along on the conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. He likes to be involved. So <laughs> you'll hear him every now and then. Um, so growing up in inner city Philadelphia... I would consider myself to not be the prototypical urban child. I was very much into nature, quote unquote. I love going to summer camp. I was that child that would run off into the forest to be with the trees um, instead of going to play basketball or, you know, jump rope or something like that. I was always drawn to the natural environment around me. Um, just hugging trees and digging in soil for worms and studying the cycles of the moon. I I always loved to do things like that, that I guess some people would consider to not be a common act among children in the city. And I I just stay with that passion. I, I knew that. So I wanted to be a veterinarian growing up. I loved animals. Like I loved going to see the horses. Um, I love going to the zoo. I, you know, I just loved to be in that, in that setting. And so I went to Penn State, my hometown or my home state's land grant to study veterinary medicine. And then when I decided that that wasn't for me, I just switched to general agricultural sciences because I knew I wanted to do something related to food and the natural environment. Um, because that was my passion. Dr. Tyler says coming to MSU was a transition. Because I jumped into the water of working with farmers and studying farming that I wasn't really familiar with prior. 
growing up in the city, I didn't grow up on a farm. I didn't grow up with a garden even in my backyard or in my front yard. Um, so it was a really new experience um, that changed my life for the better from so many angles. Part of what inspired her to learn more about where our food comes from was the birth of her daughter. So being a person of color, being particularly a black woman in the agricultural sector, I was usually the only person of color and or the only woman of color in my classes, my agricultural classes. And I always wondered why, um, feeling really ostracized, feeling out of place sometimes. I Yeah, I was always curious as to why people that looked like me or people that shared my cultural background were not interested in the same things that I was interested in um, as an agricultural major and, and someone that was just really interested in the natural environment generally. And then... I was also really drawn to wanting to know about, wanting to know more about where our food comes from, because at the time I was a new mother. Um, I had my daughter, my sophomore year undergraduate studies, and I wanted her to have a a more holistic lifestyle, particularly around the foods that we were eating, because I grew up eating a lot of crappy foods. Um, and I just want, I want it better for her. And um, so I started to learn how to grow my own food and just wanted to know more about the food system generally and why things were the way they were. And so I, I began to ask questions. And one of my mentors told me that I should go to grad school because they didn't have answers to my questions and I needed to do research to get those answers. So that's what I did. Dr. Tyler is president of the Detroit Black Community Food Security Network. So DBCFSN is the acronym. The Detroit Black Community Food Security Network is a nonprofit organization that has the mission to build self-reliance, food security, food justice, and more importantly, food sovereignty in Detroit's Black community by influencing public policy, engaging in urban agriculture, promoting healthy eating and encouraging cooperative buying and directing youth towards careers in food-related fields. So we have the vision of advancing the movement towards food sovereignty throughout the entire African diaspora, not just for Black Detroiters, um, because we understand that food is dignity, healthy food is dignity, and Access to fresh, affordable, healthy, culturally appropriate food is a human right, which does not currently exist for everyone on this planet. And so that's what we're fighting towards. How do you define food sovereignty? Food sovereignty is the self-determining right to have a say in how your food is produced, how it is distributed, sold and consumed even recycled back into the the production process. And so it's really about a transference of power from the corporate food actors that dominate our food system to the people that are mostly the, the consumers of the food system and are generally most affected by food inequities and inequalities. And so we're really demanding a, a complete transfer of power where we can have more say over our soil, our water, our air systems, and and how that impacts us from a health standpoint. 
and and wanting more control, just to be really explicit, wanting more control over these systems because seeds, water, soil, and ultimately the food that comes out of those three things intersecting is the essence of life. And currently there's a monopoly over food production, distribution, consumption, and so on. And that's highly unethical. So food sovereignty is about changing that system where the people are in control and not corporate, uh, corporate food actors. Food justice is a similar concept, not exactly the same. Food justice is focused generally on fresh, affordable, healthy, culturally appropriate access to food in the way that we would like to consume it, in the way that we would like to produce it. Um, and food sovereignty takes food justice a bit further because it's about controlling those systems that bring the food forth. And so they're very similar terms, but it's food sovereignty is often considered to be a more radical orientation um, where it's about ownership, community ownership of the food system, where oftentimes food justice is just not just I don't want to minimize it, but it but it's a concept and a practice that centers around generally getting better quality food that's self-identified for the people who are consuming it. Tell me more about your work in Detroit. I'm with the Detroit Black Farmer Land Fund that is a subsidiary organization of Keep Growing Detroit. We are a coalition of three long-standing Detroit urban farming organizations with the collective mission to rebuild intergenerational land ownership for Black farmers in Detroit. And those three organizations are the Detroit Black Community Food Security Network that I'm currently very involved in and the Oakland Avenue Urban Farm and Keep Growing Detroit. And so we're a coalition of organizations that are committed to being in right relationship with the land. And we believe in the transformation of our communities through food sovereignty and the revitalization of Detroit's agricultural landscape. So we honorably steward this fund to support Detroit's Black farmers in land acquisitions and general farm support. And so we believe that land ownership is, is a huge strategic tool and in building intergenerational wealth, which a lot of Black Detroiters don't have. We look at that as a strategic way to return to a place that was stolen from us as landowners. What's the state of and potential for urban farming in Detroit? Yeah, we get this question a lot. So Detroit is often considered to be the mecca of urban agriculture. Um, and I didn't really know that prior to moving here, moving to Michigan from Pennsylvania. And it was just, I guess, the the divine flow of things that I ended up where I was supposed to be. Because when I, when I would first come to Detroit, when I would visit for the day coming down from campus, I used to be in, in such all of so much agricultural activity happening everywhere in the city because there's such a wealth of vacant land available. And so people are growing in their backyards and their front yards and their vacant lots next to their houses and next to their businesses. And even, you know, even in abandoned abandoned buildings hydroponics and aquaponics there's just so much energy around food production and growing your own food as a political power tool and taking back 
our voices and our power within the food system just by planting seeds and nourishing them through production and cleansing the water in the process and cleansing the air in the process, rebuilding our topsoil that corporate agriculture has decimated over the course of a few decades. And so urban agriculture in Detroit represents a really vibrant movement of people, grassroots organizations, and, and, and just general everyday people coming together to build a, a better reality in, in the face of so much blight and devastation that, that the city was experiencing. Can there be enough urban farming in Detroit to feed significant pockets of the community? Yeah, so that is a desirable vision for many of us in Detroit where we would like to have self-sufficient, self-reliant communities where we're growing as much as our, our as much of our own food as possible. Of course, everything doesn't grow here in Michigan, so that's an obvious challenge. However, we do want to grow what we can, even if it's like all of the tomatoes that we can eat for the season. Um, and and all, all of the leafy greens, all the onions, garlic, things that are really are just more common to grow here and that are common staples in our diet. Um, yes, that, that we believe that that is possible and that is what we're actively working towards every day. And because Detroit as a metropolitan area, that's unlike many metropolitan areas where there's huge swaths of vacant land available, we believe that it's very possible. And Detroit is one of the few places that completely self-sufficient, well, depending on how you define self-sufficient, you know, for not eating like pineapples and mangoes and um, coconuts and things that don't grow here, completely self-sufficient food communities. Yes, that is, that is very much a desirable vision for us in Detroit. From a 30,000 foot perspective, Dr. Tyler, is the world up to feeding its growing population? So the recent report by the Food and Agricultural Organization or the FAO of the United Nations states that by 2021, 30% of the world's population or about 2.3 billion people will not have access to adequate food. And I wholeheartedly believe that that's not because of a food shortage. It's because of the political policies that are in place that restrict food access for many people, particularly poor people, um, women, and people of color. Feeding people is political, just like growing food is political. So we have more than enough food. We grow, the world grows, I think, three to five times enough food to feed the entire world over and over and over again. And it's because of (laughs) the corporate monopoly over the food system that causes hunger and poverty, essentially. So I I definitely believe that there is enough land, there is enough resources to feed the world. It's just, will the monopoly that has a chokehold on the food system be relinquished enough so that 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 can happen? How does climate change impact the situation? Yeah, again, because of the corporate monopoly of the food system, our land and water and air supply are at very dangerous, toxic levels um, because of the 
complete raping the land of the resources and yeah, just putting profits over people at every sector of, of the food system and the, the environmental system generally, which is causing severe climate change on a global level. And it's, it just so happens that those that are most affected are those that are growing majority of the world's food. Small, small scale farmers around the world grow 80% of the world's food, according to certain sources, yet we have the least amount of power in the food system. And those small scale farmers that are growing majority of the world's food are using what we consider to be agroecological uh, growing methods where we grow in communion with mother nature. We grow in communion with the natural environment and we don't use a lot of harmful growing strategies such as overtilling, pesticides, monocropping, et cetera. And so uh, we know that if we don't shift our growing methods rapidly within the next maybe 10 to 15 years, there will be no more topsoil left, which, which topsoil is the quintessential ingredient in growing really rich, nutritionally dense foods. And that's just one example. So climate change intersects with food sovereignty. I mean, just, just the food system generally, because we know that industrial agriculture is a main driver of uh, carbon pollution in our environment. So they're, they're a main contributor to climate change. And the only way that's going to change is if we have a complete transference of power from corporations to people that are growing majority of the world's food. My guest on MSU today has been MSU alumna, Dr. Shakira Tyler, who earned a PhD in community sustainability at MSU. I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.